Welcome to Live Well Be Well, a show to help high performers improve their health and well-being. This is an excerpt from the first episode of season 10 with Reggie Yates. The link to the full episode is in the description. Enjoy. The reason that I believe you're even remotely interested in me today and <laughs> my, uh, my, my, my long annoying answers <laughs> is that um, I didn't do what a lot of my contemporaries did and that was try and blend in. I made sure that I was me wherever I went, how I dressed and how I spoke and, and, and what references I used. If people didn't get it, I would do everything in my power to make sure that the people I was speaking to knew that I was talking to them. But it's amazing to have that insight at such a young age, to like hold true to that authenticity. Because I think, I think people struggle to be authentic with themselves on their own, let alone yeah. in the public eye or let alone on set when you actually feel quite different or like an mm. outlier. Like that is, it's an amazing sense of self to have that at such a young age. Yeah, I think the, the, the cool thing about- Because a lot of people wouldn't my... be like that. A lot of people would yeah. just morph. But, but I think the cool thing about my, my journey is that um, I was rewarded for it. Mm. So from quite a young age, the more me I was, the more work I'd get, the more people wouldn't be able to totally articulate their understanding of it, but they'd just say, do what you do. Um, so from the age of about 15, people were giving me scripts and going, please just make it your own. And that was the thing that, that became like a, a bit of a jokey catchphrase, particularly when I was doing Disney Club, it was make it your own. It was how do you take this thing that some random researcher has written and make it something that is specific to you, mm -hmm. that includes your humor, that includes your tone of phrase. You know, I'm, I'm a, a boy from an immigrant family uh, from a working class council estate in North London. And you learn so much about the world when you're looking at it through a lens uh, that my parents did. And as a result, you know, you're able to, to, to laugh at yourself, but also laugh at other people through uh, class, through race, through humor, through bias and all these different things. And when that is introduced to you as an idea from a young age, you don't even know you're doing it. Mm. It's amazing because I think you, that was part of you since you were eight when you went on to Desmond's. That's what was mm. kind of the first real acting role. From what I can hear you describing, it's not typical for somebody just to walk on set and be part of a, the longest running Channel 4 sitcom. So how did that kind of, how did that entry come along? How did you get into that Channel 4 sitcom? Were you always eager as a kid to be on TV, to be an actor? Was that always something that was like innate within you? Because there's this, there's this thing that I've been thinking about where there's a lot of out of sight, out of reach. So a lot of people don't believe, and I, and I have this conversation with my dad a lot, who um, grew up on a council estate and never felt what he couldn't touch, it wasn't achievable to him. So he would never kind of go for these opportunities because he didn't feel that he could. He didn't know anyone around him who ever did that. And it, yeah. we've had this really interesting conversation. It's like out of sight, out of mind. You, if you can't touch it, then it's, it's not attainable to you. And hearing that you were on a TV show at eight, I'd love to know how that came about. Like, how did this happen? Um, well, you've touched on some really interesting points there because I never really subscribed to that. Um, idea and I think uh, it's weird because we're not talking about many years prior to me actually being uh, in in the business as it were but um, I believed anything was possible like from the jump and I was a massive show-off as a kid and uh, case in point I um, I watched a couple of Bruce Lee movies with my uncle 
And then I was teaching Kung Fu to the kids on my estate in my bedroom because I knew Kung Fu now. And that to me in a weird way, like looking back on it, says everything about the way I saw the world. Mm. It was, if I thought I could do something, I could do it. And today that is still how I feel. I'm an art school dropout. I went to Campbell Arts College and I dropped out to focus on television full time. And I'm a frustrated artist. I'm a frustrated photographer. Uh, I made music for uh, around a decade and was offered record deals that I walked away from. And I have such a, a connection to music. My father's a musician, but I've never released any music. But music has been a huge part of my life. And there are so many things that I've just sort of decided that I'm going to do. Mm. And somehow they end up happening because organically they're a passion that I can't get away from. So from teaching Kung Fu uh, as a child without anybody telling me to do it to sitting in my bedroom and deciding that I was a radio DJ, having two ghetto blasters and turning one up uh, to, until I found out like, going through the radio, finding a song that I liked, letting it play, turning it down, doing a link on my own to no one like just talking about the song and what I thought about it and then turning up the other ghetto blaster on another song that I liked and just sort of sitting there and playing radio DJ on my own, sat between these two ghetto blasters, turning them up and down, um, tells me so much more about my mentality to what is possible. So mm -hmm. to go from being this show off that had too much energy, my mum's friend telling my mum about this local community drama group, me going in the first couple of sessions of me being there, them going, all right, Big Ed, you're a massive show off. We're going to start sending you out for castings, going to my first casting, which was Desmond's and getting it. You, there is maybe a, a, a naivety there, uh, a, an, an unfounded self-belief there. But at that point in those incredibly formative moments of youth, I was told by the world and by the universe that if I thought I could do something, I could. Mm -hmm. And that weirdly is just part of my DNA today. You know, if I think I'm going to do something, I will, and I'll do it until it's done. Mm -hmm. And I'll, be, I'll willingly be rubbish at it until uh, I'm not anymore. And by the time I'm not rubbish at the thing, it becomes undeniable. And that's how I've attacked everything. And that is largely why I think in my career, I've had so many different corners of it. I did an mm. interview with, I think it was a spectator years ago, and the headline after the interview was, does Reggie Yates have the weirdest career in television? And it's the most on the money um, interview I've, I've ever I've ever read back because it is flipping weird. Like- mm -hmm. Weird's good. You know, weird is fantastic. And weird's I great. embrace it. But I am, um, you know, I am, I think one of the only people at the Broadcast Awards to be nominated in preschool with Rust the Mouse, uh, entertainment with Release the Hounds, and documentary with one of my films in the same year. And that largely speaks to my desire to do things that I care about and that I'm interested mm -hmm. in, and that I think are fun, as opposed to being told what the right path to walk is. Mm -hmm. there, there's like three things that come up, whereas one entrepreneur you were from such a young age, and you might not, <laughs> you might not think of yourself as that, this is the first thing that came to my mind, sitting there right. making your own kind of DJ. Like that <laughs> yeah. is, it's like, I want to do this. I'm going to create it. Yeah, and it's yeah. that constant like inflection that you've done. I mean, it's that they say it's weird, but it sounds to me like you've just constantly be reinventing to what you feel is your purpose at that time, what your intention is, listen to your gut. A lot of people really struggle to connect with that gut feeling or what they 
really want to be doing and it feels like that's exactly what you've done but without a thought process of that there's no kind of being like i can't it's like i can and how can i yeah i i have to show a level of empathy to the people that don't because you know even though this was my journey my sister who had the same upbringing and grew up in the same house and that went to the same drama group her life and her journey doesn't mirror mine at all mm. um in, in screenwriting we talk about story beats right there are beats to a story that can define a person mm-hmm. and for uh, people in my life that have had a very similar set of situations for whatever reason they've taken different things from them because of largely things that maybe I've not been aware of or things that they've experienced that have shaped them i've just been incredibly fortunate um in not just what i was born with in terms of the way i see the world but also mm. that the series of things that have been formative for me aren't the negative things Thanks so much for listening. To hear the full episode, there's a link in the description. I wanted to jump on in and take a moment to thank you for listening to the Live Well Be Well show. It brings me so much joy to hear how stories on this podcast have helped you get the most out of life, and it's my mission to help even more people do the same. To achieve this, I need you to help me grow this show. So please share the link with a friend or maybe even drop it into the group chat.